about three things. I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Okay, the way you're reading that kind of makes it weird. But he's not dreaming. You're listening to Outside of a Dog, where we decide whether great literature is actually any good. Welcome to Outside of a Dog, where after a long, long time, I am again Jonas. And I'm Christian. Hi. It might not seem like a long time for you, since the last episode just came out two weeks ago, but uh, for us, we haven't seen each other in a month, actually. We recorded some episodes in advance, and so here we are now, talking about Stephanie Meyer's Twilight. Yes, and I still hate you for that. (laughs) Well, it is my birthday on Sunday, so you have to. Actually, I should be grateful, maybe, because um, it's a really fascinating book, but we maybe come to that later. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. Um, first, uh, let me tell you what Twilight is and what it is about. Oh, please do. Twilight is about Bella Swan, a girl of 17, and, you know, she just goes what every teenager goes through. She's kind of awkward. She moves in with her dad, who's divorced from her mum, and she goes to a new high school, and she has to find new friends. She falls in love with a vampire who wants to drink her blood. Wait, 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 what? Oh, yeah, she, she falls in love with this guy, Edward, and then she finds out that he's actually a vampire and that he's obsessed with the smell of her blood because she just smells awesome to him. Okay. Well, also, the other guy that she was friends with sort of from childhood turns out to be a werewolf. And so the werewolves and the vampires don't get along. Then another vampire chases her and wants to drink her blood. That's in the first book. Then actually in the second one, Edward sort of goes goes away and then she's with this other guy, but she's not really with him, but he wants to be with her and he's a werewolf. And then she reconnects with Edward. And then in the fourth book, sort of the vampires and werewolves don't get along and fight a bit. And then in the fourth book... Shit really hits the fan, and the vampires are fighting other vampires, and then the werewolves get involved, and Bella herself becomes a vampire, and she has a baby that breaks her spine, and then she's a vampire and survives, and then that baby ages really fast, and Jacob the werewolf sort of falls in love with the baby, and yeah, yeah, the fourth part is really weird. Huh, that never happened at my high school. It did at mine. <laughs> You're already mentioning the second, third, and fourth part. Yeah, we're mainly talking about the first one here today, but it sort of stands in for the entire series, because you cannot read a book like Twilight as just a single novel. It's a publishing phenomenon, really. It is immensely successful. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of teenage girls and boys have devoured the books. Also, there were movies, uh, actually five movies, based on four books, Very successful movies as well that sort of launched the careers of several young actors and that had half of young Hollywood in them, basically. So it is a big, big phenomenon, but it is also very controversial. More so, I would say, than some other teen franchises like Harry Potter or even The Hunger Games. And in The Hunger Games, it's literally about teenagers killing each other for entertainment. So for some reason, Twilight has really hit a nerve and it really divides people. A lot of people love it, but I think even more people really, really hate it. 
That was already in the beginning, in 2005, when the first novel, called Twilight, was published. The author, Stephanie Meyer, claims that she had the original idea of a vampire falling in love with a girl in a dream. And whatever her reason for writing out that dream might have been, it was certainly a success. The book became really popular and became even more popular in the years to come. There were, as we mentioned, three successive books, New Moon, Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. As Jonas also mentioned, they were turned into films which were all also incredibly successful. And nowadays you can't say vampire without thinking of Twilight, without thinking of Edward Cullen and this kind of very romantic picture of a vampire. Actually, I think that is also a source for the controversy to a certain degree, that this is not just romantic young adult fiction, it is supernatural young adult fiction. It's about vampires. And on the one hand, maybe people think that the vampire is not a suitable figure for young adult fiction because vampires are usually associated with evil and with a dark side of sexuality. And on the other hand, vampire fans claim that Stephanie Meyer basically watered down the vampire, that the dark and dangerous but also alluring figure of traditional literature, such as Dracula or Interview with the Vampire, was turned into a tame, domesticized version that is all about marriage and having children and living a good and boring life. That is very interesting what you mentioned, because I would say I consider myself a fan of vampire literature. Uh, you've already mentioned Dracula, you've mentioned uh, Interview with the Vampire, which is one of my favorite films, I would say. I haven't actually read the book. Maybe I should do that. I read basically, I think, almost all of the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice, so... Should you read them? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Depends. There are like a hundred of them by now. Okay. And I think you should read two and a half, maybe. <laughs> okay. Interesting, though, that there Anne Rice is starting out with these very debauched, very sexual vampires. And then she goes into a Christian direction as well for a little while and says, no, I don't want to read, write about all these dark forces anymore. I'm, I'm kind of glad, even though I'm not a fan of her books, uh, I'm kind of glad that she has gotten away from that. But Anne Rice is, I think, to a certain degree, to blame for Stephanie Meyer. Oh, because, definitely. Because definitely. she took this uh, romantic notion of the vampire that was already there in earlier incarnations and made it the text or brought it to the forefront, I think. Uh, Lestat is literally a rock star. Exactly. He's so cool and smooth and, yeah, he will kill you, but you will have a good time while he does it. Actually, he, in the novels, he only kills bad people. So that already is a step on the way to Edward Cullen, who is fighting his own nature and only drinks from animals. Yeah, they're and... vegetarian vampires and their eye color changes based on what they drink. So I think Edward prefers to drink the blood of bears. Therefore, his eyes are sort of amber. And I mean, a lot of bear species are endangered. So he's basically really, really horrible in doing that. I thought so as well. But um, also, of course, uh, in Interview with the Vampire, they try, or at least one of them, tries to subsist on the blood of animals for a while. Uh, but as Lestat says, it's not really living. It's just surviving. You have to drink human blood if you want to properly be a vampire. That is the main conflict of the first novel, Twilight, for the most, actually, that Edward is drawn to Bella and Bella is 
in love with him as well, as we've heard in the introductory quote. But Edward is also aware that he is bad and he has to fight his urge to basically get just kill Bella and drink her blood because she's so irresistible to him. And that is a definitely a vampire trope, I think. But what is interesting is that it is treated in a kind of superficial way. Edward talks about it all of the time. Actually, he repeats himself all of the time. But at the same time, he is flip-flopping around the topic all of the time as well in a kind of either all the way here, all the way there way. I think Bella even mentions something like, she says, do you have multiple personality disorder? <laughs> and that is true because Edward as a character is on the one hand quite interesting. There's a side to him that is kind of impish. He seems to really enjoy playing tricks on Bella and other characters. So a kind of devilish nature, you might think. But on the other hand, he's all serious. And he's like, oh, you can't be near me. It's dangerous. And changes without any sort of motivation. So Edward might be the only interesting character in Twilight. And even he is only more interesting than the others because he has a second very superficial character trait. And the others, basically, they're not even characters. I mean, that's true for Twilight. Later on, Jacob becomes a bit more interesting. In Twilight, he's just a nice boy who sort of looks out for Bella, and then that nice boy who looks out for her turns into a werewolf. And then we have the love triangle. But I wanted to talk a bit more about Stephanie Meyer's vampire myth. Because on the one hand, I think I agree, it's a very impoverished vampire myth. The vampires, at least the protagonist vampires, don't drink human blood. They only drink animal blood. They are doctors and they help people. It's a very American myth, I would say, in a lot of ways. On the one hand, because well, it's just obvious from the pages of this novel that it's a very, very American author. She's, uh, she's a Mormon, which many people consider sort of the epitome of American Christianity, because it's a form of Christianity that is autochtonic to the United States, that came up in the United States. Uh, but also the morality of it. It's all about waiting for marriage. It's all about preserving purity. So it's this abstinence approach to sexuality, because vampire fiction is basically all about sex. As German literary critic uh, Dennis Scheck once said, what is a vampire's bite but a kiss followed by the exchange of bodily fluids? So vampires and sex always go hand in hand. And in, and in Twilight, it's all about withholding that bite. At least it is acknowledged that the urge to drink blood is definitely something sexual. It is suppressed. It is kind of kept outside. But what's interesting is that while Edward is all about, no, I can't do this to you, Bella, on the other hand, is all for it. In the end, she asks to be turned into a vampire, yeah. which is basically her saying to Edward, yeah, would you please fuck me? <laughs> and he says no. And that is interesting that it's at least acknowledged that... Please fuck me. No, fuck you. <laughs> it's at least acknowledged that there is something sexual about it and yeah. that Bella has yeah. sexual urges. It is still not the right thing to do and oh it's so naughty obviously they're waiting until marriage and then it's of, of course mind-blowing and uh, i don't know what though he says he cannot have sex with her because he might smash her head and thus literally it's mind-blowing you might say but at least that part of the vampire myth 
uh, is still kept intact. Yeah. And then when they do get married and they have sex, uh, what the gym teacher says in Mean Girls becomes true because she does get pregnant and she dies because her baby breaks her fucking spine. But I think... Of course, this abstinence-only education is very prevalent in the U.S. and it's very toxic. It does a lot of damage. I think that's I think that's one of the biggest problems in the U.S. at the moment. This attitude towards sexuality that's so focused on impurity and oh no, you have to preserve your pure nature as a woman. We have to be fair. That's only parts of the U.S. Uh, only parts of also parts of Europe. To be fair, this uh, exactly. this horrible attitude has come over here as well. So yay! I don't know how it is in Forks, uh, Washington, which is uh, a real place. It's kind of in the sticks, I think. So maybe they are very conservative about those things. It's still the West Coast, so they might be very liberal as well. Um, we don't know. Of course, they can all legally get stoned now. So maybe they're <laughs> maybe it's just a free for all now. What is clear is that the morality of Twilight. No matter whether there is something naughty about it, it's always colored very clearly. There's not much space for any... Ironically, there are not a lot of shades Shades of of grey! Anyway, (laughs) we'll come to Fifty Shades of Grey later. Will we? I don't know. But, yeah, I know a lot of middle-aged women who have come to Fifty Shades of (laughs) Grey. Oh, but I think that, yeah, on that level, Twilight is quite horrible to be honest because it propagates that bella's point of view there's no doubt it, she's always correct about people edward may be kind of dangerous but in the end he's a good guy and his family they're all very nice people they may be vampires but they are also welcoming and the way she describes other people is is not very complex she always just puts them in a certain category, and that's that. And also, Bella is not a very good role model. She has no agency, basically. She's pushed around by these, from the second book onwards, two supernatural monster men who kind of control her life. And as many people point out, Edward is really creepy. He breaks into her bedroom and watches her sleep before she knows he's a vampire. There's also the part where she gets into trouble and she's kind of uh, threatened by sexual assault. Hey, wait a minute. Even here we have sexual assault. We can't get rid of it, can we? It's just everywhere. That's There's no... Get- oh. yeah, we'll come- anyway, back to Twilight and the sexual assault and the sexual politics of that, which are also horrible. And Edward saves her, obviously, because she can't defend herself. Also, he saves her from a car crashing into her because he's basically superman he also mentions that he has a hard job keeping her alive because she can't manage that on her because she's so clumsy you know she's such a ditz but at the same time when he saves her he just says get in the car and it's claimed that he's livid um at the guys threatening her and he wants to kill them obviously because he can read their thoughts but at the same time it's a very dominant alpha male kind of threatening towards Bella behavior as well. Yeah. And that is... He's kind, of, he's kind of blaming her for getting herself almost raped. Exactly. And he never takes her seriously. That's the, as I mentioned, more impish part of his personality. And when he gets serious, it's very patronizing as well. Yeah. This kind of, yeah, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you have to stay away from me. You, you've already mentioned that he can actually read people's thoughts because he's a telepath, because vampires 
have certain additional abilities in Stephanie Meyer's myth. So he's a telepath. Um, his sister is, uh, she can see the future, or at least snippets of the future. But he can read everyone's thoughts except for Bella's, which is the kind of ultimate, oh, women, I just don't understand them, what they're about. But also, her vampire myth is very American and impoverished in another way, I think. Edward was born in 1902, I think, or 1901, and he died in the Spanish flu when he was 17. That is really fucking recent. Oh, have you met Oscar Wilde? Uh, no, he died when I was a baby. Oh, so you haven't met Leonardo da Vinci or Shakespeare or any of the great people of the past thousands years of history... No, you've basically lived through the 20th century. You've lived... You haven't even really lived through the First World War. You have lived through the Second World War and then the 60s and the 70s, which are the most boring, turgid part of human history to date, where nothing of value has been produced. And it's just... Oh, he's so old. No, he's about 100 years. Come on, get a perspective for history, for fuck's sake. Uh, I have to apologize for my whole podcaster here because he's apparently very nitpicky right now and criticizing things where he has no idea what he's criticizing. No, seriously, the fact that he's... No, 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 shh, 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 calm down, calm okay. down. But it's just... There are many more things to criticize that are much more severe than Edward being a kind of youngish vampire. True. Let's, uh, why don't you go on about uh, some of the other parts about Twilight to criticize? Actually, I think there's something... I won't criticize, and that brings me back to being grateful for, for recommending this book, because it is part of a honorable series of books we discussed on this podcast. This is, I think, in line with Lolita and American Psycho, because Bella is quite obviously one of the most interesting, unreliable, and psychotic narrators that we've had in this podcast so far. So you mean because she's so infatuated with Edward and she's so incredibly in love. We actually cannot believe all the things she says. And so when she says, oh, he's really lovely, she's like an abused wife who says, oh, I know, I know he loves me really. I think there's an interesting way to look at Bella's perspective. The whole novel is told from her focalizing point of view. So everything we get to know, it's filtered through her perceptions. And I think one thing that Stephanie Meyer does quite well is portray the perspective of a teenager. Bella is 17 years old. And what she feels is often this feeling of alienation from others, not belonging, longing for something else, that one person, that one guy that will save her from all of this, and being quite self-absorbed, being mainly focused on herself and all the other girls, whether they're named Jessica or Angela or whatever, they don't really matter. And I think that part of the perspective is portrayed really quite nicely. Actually, I also developed the theory that the portrayal of Bella in Twilight is the portrayal of a teenager who has depression. Because Bella keeps on mentioning the gloom that she often feels. She feels alienated by others. She feels nothing regarding the worries or the problems of other people. She's just kind of indulging them. And she says, okay, today I'm going to be nice to this guy or that girl. But what she's really focused on is her own 
anguish, her own despair. And that could be seen as a rather cutting and rather intricate portrayal of teenage depression. That's very interesting. I think it's something that you are bringing to the book. I think so as well. I think that Stephanie Meyer maybe has these impressions from her own teenage years. I don't know. But I'm quite certain that that is something that she didn't intend there to be. And that is she, that she stumbled into accidentally creating something really interesting. And I think that is the tragedy of the book. Because if you read Bella as an unreliable narrator with a teenage perspective, with a certain kind of maybe depressive personality, and you could even go so far as to say, yeah, well, maybe she is just psychotic and there's this really hot rich kid in her school and she imagines him to be a vampire and he plays <laughs> along just to get her into bed. Th that is actually a valid reading of that. And I think there are some aspects in the way Stephanie Meyer describes that, Bella's perspective. That, that would also explain why he has these really different sides to his character. Exactly. Because exactly. she's imagining part of him. Exactly. And damn. But the great tragedy of that is that Stephanie Meyer takes all of this seriously. Yeah. That she really wants there to be a vampire. That one vampire who is supernaturally strong and good-looking. Oh, God, he's so good-looking. I can't read another description of his alabaster skin and his crooked smile. And it's repeated so many times. He's and really, 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 really pretty. And at the same time, he's kind of dangerous, but I can save him. I know he's a good guy, really. And that is the thing that, that fucks me up so much. That if you take this and take the teenage perspective of Bella. And as I said, the teenage perspective is, I think, portrayed sometimes a bit stereotypically, sometimes a bit too hyperbolically. But I think it is portrayed in a suitable and interesting way. But then Stephanie Meyer thinks that this perspective is the one true perspective on life. That there is actually this one guy who will save you and he will make you immortal. And, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> and he will turn you into an immortal being as well. And you will be a teenager forever and ever. And all you ever thought as a teenager is true and good and love and blah. Actually, we're coming up to the 10th anniversary of me cutting off my mohawk and deciding to wear suits instead of torn up jeans. And if I had been turned into a vampire at that point, and I would have had to be this for centuries, oh my god. Exactly. And I think that, on the one hand, kind of tragic, because I think yeah. another author could have done something really interesting with this kind of idea. And on the other hand, it's horrible. It is horrible. Because it is a portrayal of being a teenager that focuses only on that aspect. That you're judgmental and you are very emotional. And it says, yeah, that's good. Keep it up. Adulthood is overrated. Speaking of this sort of stumbling into greatness, she also does that with her vampire myth, which, as I say, is a very poor one, which takes out all the weaknesses. They cannot be killed by fire or stakes through the heart or garlic or sunlight. They only sparkle infamously in the sunlight. The only way that they can be killed really is to be torn into pieces by other vampires or werewolves. Though that then is very interesting to me because they don't actually need to breathe. They don't actually need to feed on blood. They just get really antsy if they don't. So theoretically... 
could these vampires survive the end of the world? Could they survive the expansion of the sun? So would we just end up with Edward and his family floating through space, sort of hanging out and saying, yeah, sure sucks they don't get to have any blood right now. And will these vampires be the only vestige of old Earth that aliens ever contact? This is really interesting, but of course it would never be explored, because Stephanie Meyer believes in a very different version of the end of the world than I believe in. But accidentally, she raised this interesting question. Yeah, I think that is much more thought than Stephanie Meyer ever put into this. But again, they are immortal. They cannot be killed by any normal means. And they are also eternally young again. Edward and his siblings, so to say, are teenagers. And even their adoptive father, Carlisle, with an S, <laughs> is um, he's described in being in his 20s, tops. Yeah. But he's a doctor. And he's incredibly good have we mentioned how good looking he is all the family is so good looking they are supernaturally oh yeah they are supernatural actually even before bella gets into this whole supernatural imbroglio her parents are described as very immature and she basically has to take care of them her her father cannot even cook spaghetti in the third book there's a scene where he tries to cook spaghetti and it's so ridiculously over the top bad and her mother is described as not able to take care of herself. And Bella, from the very beginning, is incredibly responsible, incredibly grown up, incredibly intelligent. She's read all the books that they have on the school syllabus. The only fault she has is that she is clumsy. Yeah. Oh, she's so clumsy. And it's so incredible that one scene where there's three guys asking her out for the school dance in a very short amount of time. And she says no to all of them. And she still describes herself as the kind of ugly duckling and the odd one out. And that is that is the teenage perspective again. That's what you wish for. You feel like you're the ugly duckling, but you also wish for everyone to recognize how beautiful and brilliant and intelligent and desirable you really are. I think I would like to read a bit more about Bella and Phoenix. Maybe she was really the kind of total outsider the goth girl and the whole episode in forks is just her kind of wishing for something better write it write and write some twilight fan fiction people can make a lot of money doing that uh, apparently yes but then i would have to emulate <laughs> stephanie meyer's quite horrible style as well although again that is unfair i think in some or at some points her style is quite good when she describes very mundane activities when she describes very brief moments. There's this one scene where there is a sunny day and Bella falls asleep in the sun. And actually I thought, wow, that is written quite nicely. Yeah. Also that quote we read out at the beginning, of course it's over the top. Of course it's melodramatic. But it's written from the perspective of a very melodramatic teenager, so it fits. But at the same time, some other things that we already mentioned regarding Stephanie Meyer's style are just hard to bear. The constant repetitions of certain things. Yes, we know Bella is clumsy. Yes, we know Edward is incredibly handsome. Yes, we know he has alabaster skin because it looks like alabaster and is also incredibly hard. He's a hard man, literally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, we know that Mike and Eric are in love with Bella. Yes, we know that Jessica is in love with Mike. Yes, we know that Angela is a shy girl. All of these characters are just reduced to one adjective. And these adjectives are just recounted time after time. They never, they never gain any sort of 
additional traits. The only ones who really get another trait are the vampires. And even they are kind of stereotypical. They are like a superhero team. Yeah, uh, one can see the future, one can read minds, one is a doctor. I think, sort of summing up Stephanie Meyer, I had read the first and second book already before we decided to read this, and then I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and read the third one as well. And I was stumped immediately by the dedication, because that really sums up her entire cluelessness in all kinds of matters, but especially in sexual matters, I feel. The dedication is, To my husband, Pancho, for your patience, love, friendship, humor, and willingness to eat out. It really says that. <laughs> and, you know, she didn't write for your willingness to take me to dinner in a nice restaurant, or your willingness to pay for dinner at Dorsia or wherever. No, his willingness... To eat out. Stephanie Meyer has been on this earth for several decades already. Apparently she has never come across one of the most common expressions for cunnilingus in the world. And no one around her dared mention it to her before she put it into her sure-to-be-a-bestseller book. Again, I think that's kind of nitpicky. Uh, and but I think it's just, it, Jonas it, 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 has a very dirty mind. He will agree... <laughs> But uh, I, I do have, but still, it's just so, it's typical. It is, and, and we focused on, on the author quite a bit, I think sometimes even more so than with other books, because, uh, yeah, it is easy to see the perspective of the author in the perspective of Bella and think, does she really mean that? Is she really serious about that? And answering that question with yes... That is the sad thing about Twilight. Though actually our one iTunes review mentions that we talk about the authors too much and haven't we heard that the author is dead. So if you want to leave a nicer iTunes review for us, please do that because that would be really lovely. <laughs> so um, we've talked a lot about already about the awfulness of Twilight. and Actually, I, as I said, I think there are certain things that are good, that are not to be criticized, and they also explain why Twilight is so immensely popular or has been so immensely popular. But I I think it's really interesting the immense backlash that Twilight has got. Um, a couple of semesters ago, I taught tutorials at uh, university. So I talked to them about literature and what is literature. That was one of the central questions of the entire semester, really. And I put up the cover of Twilight and I said, what do you think? Is that literature? And then... Uh, woman of 23, I think, said, no, this is not literature because it's just for teenage girls. And that's a lot of the criticism of Twilight. Sort of people in their 20s looking down on people in their teens, and especially on girls in their teens, because, you know, the things that fanboys like, like superheroes or Star Wars or uh, action films, they're sort of, oh yeah, come on, that's just a bit of fun. But a teenage girl is the most despised creature in the world. And the fact that Twilight dares to be a book aimed at teenage girls means that it must be absolutely horrid. And then, ironically, Twilight is really a masterclass in all kinds of sexism because the books themselves are quite sexist and Bella is a horrible character with no agency who is controlled by a domineering, abusive man. At the same time, though, as I said, she has a sexual nature and that is at least addressed and not put under the carpet. And then especially in the later novels, she sort of tells all the men around her, seriously, what the fuck are you doing? I'm in love with this guy. I'm friends with this other guy. I would appreciate it if you could just all get your fucking act together. So you could read her as a more progressive figure than she 
has been intended to be. So yeah, that's a very interesting reading of her. But part of the backlash against Twilight was this sort of these fanboys saying, "Oh, Stephanie Meyer has ruined vampires now," but then also people telling young girls that they are not allowed to like the things that they like because they are not progressive enough. And saying, oh, you like this? You can't be a very self-assured woman. Oh, uh, you like the wrong things. That's not good for you. Which is very patronizing. So I think the questions we should really ask about Twilight is, does it work as a fantasy story? And does it work as a romance story? We've already talked about the fantasy part. We both agree that the vampire myth in Twilight is... Not necessarily the best, but it has its interesting points. It is a clear continuation, and whether that continuation is something you like or not doesn't matter. At least it is still connected to a part of the vampire myth. But does it work as a romance story? Does it work as a story of teenage obsessive love? And yeah, it does. I think I'm a bit more critical with that part, actually. It does. I think there is a certain trueness to the way Stephanie Meyer describes teenage romance and this feeling of, oh, this one and no other, and he, I don't get him, I will die. At the same time, I think it is a very trite and cliched portrayal of teenage romance. It is seen as really true. And I think really good teenage romances kind of acknowledge that there is something trivial about the notion of everlasting love. And Twilight never manages to get this level of depth or complexity. But I think the fact that it is so immensely successful and that it speaks to thousands of young girls is indicative that it works. It works, certainly. And I think there are much more horrible or worse things that young people could or might read. Yeah. And, for example... Just about two months ago, we were sitting here gushing about James Bond and wearing tuxedos and drinking the drinks and saying, oh, this is so wrong, but it feels so right. And we were indulging in this horrible version of masculinity, which we knew was horrible, but we thought, "Ah, come on, it's just a bit of fun. It's just a guilty pleasure. And if we say that women because not all fans of Twilight are teenagers. A lot of them are grown-up women. If we say that they don't have this awareness, that they can say, ah, yeah, of course, this is not really right, but I just like the fantasy of a guy who maybe is domineering, who maybe comes and bowls me over and ravishes me. I know that it's wrong, but I just kind of like it. And, of course, in the case of teenagers, we should tell them, or not we, their parents should tell them, yeah, this is maybe not the best way your relationship could go, but, hey, if it's fun... I'm not going to say that you are not allowed to do it. And I think many teenagers are aware that this is fantasy. Exactly. Even without the vampire, they know Edwards are very hard to come by. And I think if you met an Edward in real life, you wouldn't really necessarily like him that much. So I think the whole backlash against Twilight is so ugly that actually it has made me sympathize, maybe not with the author, who I think is an absolute idiot, but with the fans, a lot more. And if you enjoy Twilight, hey, who am I to judge? And I, also, the backlash against the movies has actually made me feel for the actors, in a way. And it's interesting that Robert Pattinson, because he despises Twilight as well, everyone says, oh yeah, see this guy, he really doesn't like Twilight as well, <laughs> how horrible for him to be in this horrible movie. But Kirsten Stewart is one of the most despised women in Hollywood. Also because of the fact that she dared 
to cheat on Edward the, uh, or Robert, this perfect man, and she gets such a bad rep. And I think, come on, the, the woman is how old is she? She's in her mid twenties. She's about as mm-hmm. old as me. She still hopefully has a career ahead of her. And I think both she and Patterson will go on to do interesting work. And people are making a fool of themselves by sort of judging them and putting them down now. I think we can come to a conclusion regarding Twilight and obviously to the question, is it worth reading? Jonas, what do you think? It's difficult. I would say if you want to read Twilight and you think it's for you, go ahead. I'm not going to tell you not to read it. I think there are better books, some of which I will recommend to you in a minute. But if you want to go ahead and read Twilight, yeah, do that. There are certainly a lot worse things you could be spending your time with. And also, I mean, I've read the first two books and I've read them very rapidly. They are page turners. You can breeze through these books in a couple of days. Should you read Twilight? My short answer would be, oh, hell no. I think it's not a good book. I think the sexual politics, as mentioned, are horrible. I think there are many other books that you should rather read. But as Jonas has mentioned, if you want to read it, go ahead. And if you're interested in why it has become such a phenomenon, backlash and all, I think just reading the first novel gives you a good grasp of that. gives you a good hint at what it is that makes these books alluring. It may not be quality at first glance, but there is a certain quality in just making this sort of like crack cocaine for teenagers. <laughs> no, but that is an effort that you can also acknowledge and applaud even, that the vampire, which has always been an interesting figure and has persisted throughout the years, has also been made relevant again by Stephanie Meyer. Maybe this is the vampire for the early 2000s. And there will be other vampires after that. And for me, as someone who is actually quite interested in the fate of such figures, I think that is also something to applaud. So we have two sort of endorsements of Twilight, but there's probably still better things to read. And I actually have two recommendations for you today. Firstly, is one that I came up with myself, because when I thought about teenage phenomenons and books that are aimed at teenagers, especially teenage girls. So naturally my mind went to The Hunger Games, which is a series of books and films by now that was very much sold on the, oh, this is the new Twilight kind of way. And that is part of the backlash against The Hunger Games. A lot of people say, oh, it's just like Twilight, it's horrible. But also The Hunger Games are really, really intelligent books. They are incredibly smart. Katniss Everdeen is a fascinating character, also not a very good role model. She's she's a horrible person, a very selfish person, but she's an incredibly interesting character. There is the love triangle, yes, but she sort of doesn't care about it so much. It's just the guys who care about it very much. And The Hunger Games, it's just one of these things I love. When I think about it, my, my spine tingles a bit. I wrote several essays on The Hunger Games for university. Uh, the books just got better and better the more I looked at it, and... I really realized how complex they are and how thoughtful. So they're an excellent series of young adult novels with the female protagonists, but I have never been a teenage girl. So I went ahead and I asked someone who 
used to be a teenage girl, namely my girlfriend, Laura. And she recommended another series of books to me, namely The Princess Diaries by Megan Cabot. Now, don't mistake them for the two films that have been made, because, at least according to her, and I can confirm that, the films are horrible. I've actually read several of the books now, and they are really interesting character-wise as well. They're fairly short sort of snippets of her life, but Princess Mia is a really interesting girl. And she's a real girl who also has her faults, but who has her good sides as well. So these are very relevant books as well, at least for this generation of teenage girls. But I think they have the potential to really endure. So two recommendations for me, The Hunger Games and The Princess Diaries, which are probably the most different books you can imagine in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, incidentally, I also have two recommendations. One of them is more concerned with the topic of vampires, because Twilight is not the most interesting version of the vampire myth, maybe. And I want to recommend a book that adds a very interesting facet to vampires and actually also to teenage vampires and that is a Swedish novel by John Ivid Lindquist Let the Right One In now that has been made into a movie as well but the novel itself is also a really nice read it deals with coming of age it deals with meeting a vampire during that stage but it is much darker it is also much more Swedish if you can make sense of that Somehow I can. Why do I immediately know what you mean when you say it's more Swedish? So the myth of Sweden as this idyllic place where everyone lives in harmony with each other happily is really turned on its head in Let the Right One In. So that is my first recommendation, Let the Right One In. And my second recommendation is also concerned with the perspective of a teenage girl. It's been many years, but I remember reading a book about a young 13-year-old girl in medieval times, in medieval England. And that novel is called Catherine, called Birdie, by Karen Cushman. And it's written in the form of a diary, a young daughter of a nobleman in the, I think, 1290s, learning to write down her thoughts. And it's one of the most fascinating and interesting portrayals, not just of a teenage girl in the medieval period, but of a teenage girl in any sort of time. Slowly developing her own thoughts, reflecting on her position as a girl, soon to become a woman. Obviously, we're 13, it's time to get married. But in a really humorous, down-to-earth and, I think, endearing way. If you want to read a young adult novel with an incredibly sympathetic point of view, I can recommend Catherine Called Birdie. That's not about vampires, though, is it? No. Boring. So that was our discussion of Twilight. Do you agree with it, or are you one of those hardcore Twilight haters who maybe has a couple of better reasons for hating the book than, oh, it's for teenage girls? Or are you a twihard and you want to tell us how wrong we are about Edward and that he is the best character ever? Then get in touch with us. Write an email at outsideofadogcast at gmail.com. Also, you can write reviews for us on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us there as well. You can rate us there. And we would really, really appreciate it if you did that. If you have been listening to our podcast for one episode or for all the episodes we've already done, just take a minute to 
let other people know what you think of it because that will really help us get more people interested in this podcast and we can sort of grow our community a bit. We also have a Facebook page. We are on Twitter at Outside of a Hound. And we have our homepage outsideofadogcast.com. And I think that's enough things to plug right now. So all that remains for me to do now is to ask Christian, what are we going to read for our next episode? Well, we talked about the problematic sexual politics of Twilight. All we ever talk about is problematic sexual politics, I think. And we kind of promised to talk a bit more about certain shades of grey. No, we're not going to read that. <laughs> what we're going to read is The 120 Days of Sodom by the Marquis de Sade. I love you right now. Seriously, I've always wanted to read that. Now get down on the floor and lick my boots. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. For more information, visit outsideofadogcast.com and this... Do vampires have sperm in this? Yeah, of course they need to have sperm. Yeah, because otherwise he... Renesmee wouldn't exist. <laughs> Renesmee! Renesmee. <laughs>